All right, guys, welcome back to Revive School. Here we are, a lesson 108, 108 lessons. Kevin, this is a lot of lessons in the wisdom books. Over here, we have Mindy's paintings. We have the miniature versions and the larger versions. Kevin, the first one that we talked about with the wisdom poetic books was what? Job. The book of Job. One of the most depressing books that we've talked about. Hardest book to teach through, but really, honestly, we got a ton of feedback of how how the Lord spoke through that text to people. And then from there, we went to the book of Psalms where we tapped into our heart <laughs> and the journal writers and the seven authors that we think possibly at least wrote through the book of Psalms. And then mostly a lot of times written by David. But now we're going to get into the book of Proverbs written by David's son, Solomon. Solomon is then writing to his children. Solomon is wanting to pass this down to his generation, a younger generation. And that, that's what the wisdom books are. 108 lessons in Psalms, Proverbs, the book of Job, but it's not done. Because we're going to also get into next week, we're going to get into Ecclesiastes, and then Kevin, the book that will make me blush. Probably all of us. Oh, probably all of us, the Song of Songs. That's what we're after, the wisdom books, the poetic books. And what's interesting about the book of Proverbs, you know, in our little notes, we have a collection of Solomon's Proverbs. It's just kind of like he's sitting down in his lazy boy. He's like, you know, I want to talk about this topic, this topic, this topic, this topic, this topic, this topic. Oh, and I want to put it all in one chapter. That's really what it is. In fact, when you get into Proverbs 18, verse 1, Scripture says this, One who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. You know, I thought about <laughs> telling Kevin to come up with images of all of these leaders that have fallen. And they've fallen because guess what? They've isolated themselves and they thought that they could get away with all of their sinful ways and pursue their selfish desires. When you isolate yourself, I would begin to say, hey, I need to remove myself from this environment because you're allowing yourself to, to go deeper and deeper. Now, you know, it's a weird scenario. I just want to go there. Can you go to Genesis 13, 11? You know, it, it, I say a weird scenario because it might not be the exact example of what we're after here. But when Abraham and Lot, uh, he's, he's like, okay, Lot, you choose what you want. And what did he do? He chose what he thought was going to be the best. Lot chose the entire Jordan Valley for himself. <laughs> then Lot journeyed eastward and they separated from each other. Like there's a little bit of hey, what's best for me mentality. If you begin to isolate yourself and pursue selfish desires, um, I'm just going to tell you destruction is coming. Nelson's commentary says, when you get to this point, one of the indicators is that you become intolerant of anybody who disagrees with you. So if somebody begins to challenge you, somebody begins to say, hey, I, I think there needs to be some correction here. If they become uh, like annoyed by you and they never, you're never wrong and everybody else is wrong, I would just say, you know, I would just look at this. Hey, is that becoming me? And he rebels against all sound judgment. You know, I think this needs to change in your life. And in verse two, then it kind of builds. So when you begin to isolate yourself, you're against sound judgment. A fool does not delight in verse two, does not delight in understanding. 
but only wants to show off his opinions. You ever been around those people? It's just kind of like, I don't really care what you say. I don't really want your opinion. In fact, I only want to tell you what my opinion is. And when you begin to get into this this compulsive talker mentality and pulling back and only sharing your opinions, it's somebody who never listens and he only pursues what he thinks is right. You guys, you're on dangerous ground. In fact, on verse 2, Nelson's commentary says, Fools don't listen. They only spit and spout out their own opinions. Here's a great way of doing it. It's, uh, it's cheap talk. Talk is cheap. And you don't have any desire to interact with others. So what I want to do is, is in Proverbs, Nelson's commentary kind of gives us a way to evaluate uh, our words when we interact with people. I want, to, I want us to give us just a little bit of processing. Let me give you an example. Okay, Sometimes the wisest course okay, when interacting with somebody is just to keep quiet. And just simply weigh out your thoughts, your words carefully if we intend to be helpful. So like just in this dialogue of, and if you go back to Proverbs 18, uh, you know, if you don't want to receive anything, but you only want to share something, a simple way is, can I just say, sometimes just stay quiet. Okay, so I'll just write a couple of these on here for us. Just to evaluate, sometimes, again, remember Proverbs, a lot of this is about our talk. So one is, is that when you see something and you hear something, maybe just stay quiet for a second. Just weigh out the words. In fact, can you go to Proverbs 11, verse 2? Proverbs 11, 2. It says, When pride comes, disgrace follows, but with humility comes wisdom. When pride comes, disgrace follows, but with humility comes wisdom. Like when you humble yourself, and you're open to what people have to say into your life, that's wisdom, you guys. But a lot of times, we just want to just tell everybody what, what we know. Another area maybe to evaluate the, the worth of what we're saying is, is one thing is that Nelson says is we never want to talk about, we never want to talk about a, a confidence which we have been entrusted. Let me give you an example. Go to Proverbs 11, verse 13. Proverbs eleven thirteen it says this, a gossip goes uh, around revealing a secret, but a trustworthy person keeps a confidence. In, in other words, like you never want to go around talking about something that somebody has given you and then you begin to, to blab it. A trustworthy person keeps a confidence. And so, uh, you know what I'm going to say again? <laughs> Stay quiet. Don't be a rat fink. Yeah, don't be a rat fink. Don't be a rat fink. <laughs> I don't know if that's how you spell it, but in my head, that's always how I pictured it. So when in doubt, shh, don't talk. Uh, I don't like this one as well. We need to know how. Let me say it a different way than this. Uh, the tone. Can I just say watch your tone? I know we talked about this, but I'm telling you guys, these are things we got to keep working on. And again, in Proverbs, it's going to feel a little bit redundant. Stay quiet, stay quiet. But if you're going to talk, hey, watch your tone in what you're saying. In fact, if you go to Proverbs 15, Kevin, 1 through 2, we talked about this two days ago. 
A gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. Kevin, my markers! It doesn't work. The tongue of a wise makes... Uh, Kevin, just so you guys know, he, he's fine. The tongue of the wise, tongue of the wise makes knowledge attractive, but the mouth of fools blurts out... Blurts... <laughs> but the mouth of fools blurts out foolishness. You're like, God, why are you such an idiot when you teach? You know, here's why. <laughs> I can just tell you. Like... I, I believe I don't have anything newer than what anybody else has ever taught. I just know how God's wired me. I know how God has designed me, and this is just how I act. And uh, I, I just think sometimes uh, we try to act like other people. We try to be polished and try to be this way or that way. Like, if this is how the Lord wants me to communicate, I will. I, I always say that because I think sometimes we just got to relax <laughs> and enjoy the Word of God for what it is. And so watch your tone, what you communicate. Stay quiet, stay quiet. Watch your tone. Don't be a rat fink. And then in all of this, uh, another Delson's commentary says, we just need to watch what we say. Our mouth can get us in trouble. You know what I hear in that one? Stay quiet. When in doubt, just stay quiet. I wonder at this point if I should stop talking. And in fact, here's another one. If we give our opinion on a matter on a matter before hearing the facts, we'll tend to bring shame on ourselves. Like, oh, Kevin, I Kevin, I I heard Kevin, Kevin, I heard Kevin. And then all of a sudden I start talking about something like I don't even have a clue what I'm even talking about. But don't we do that? We, we act like we're the expert in all of this process. But if there's humility, we'll receive what God's saying to us because we've stayed quiet. We've stayed quiet, we've watched what we're saying, and we're staying quiet. I think with today's media, <laughs> we just, we have so much access to stuff that we really don't know anything about. Yeah, all of a sudden we're experts in everything. Just stay quiet. You know, the last thing I'll just say is this, it's a good point, Kevin. Talk is cheap, Nelson's commentary says, but easy talk can be expensive. I like what this says. Saying the wrong things at the wrong time can actually lead to a major unfortunate consequence. And at that point, you're saying, why did I even say that? Why did I even think that? And then why did I even use my filter? And so here's what I would just say again. Please just stay quiet. You're like, well, Kyle, at this point, you've now become an introvert. <laughs> Maybe some of us just need to just tone down a little bit. And I only say that because when you go back to verses 1 and 2 of Proverbs 18, it says, A fool does not delight in understanding, but only wants to show off his opinions. Look, if you want to grow in the Lord, if you want to grow in a situation, you need to be open to what people want to say to you. And I would just say, slow down and listen. And in verse 3, when a wicked man comes, content also comes, and along with dishonor, disgrace. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters, a flowing river, a fountain of wisdom. Now tell me, that doesn't just scream refreshment. That just screams the tree of life. This just screams like, I want to provide life for you guys. And it can come through our, our words, which is coming from our heart, which then he goes into John 7, how we have a, a river uh, of living water flowing within us. I mean, it's, this is a most incredible verse. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters, a flowing river, a fountain of wisdom. It's a wellspring of wisdom, and it's not good to show partiality to the guilty by perverting the justice due to the innocent. 
A fool's lips lead to strife and his mouth provokes a beating. I mean, this whole thing, you guys, is constantly what we say and what we do. A fool's mouth is his devastation and his lips are a trap for his life. In other words, that will catch up is what it's implying. What you say, it'll get caught up to you. A gossip's words are like choice food that goes down to one's most inner, uh, one's innermost being. A gossip words are like choice food. Like if somebody's saying, hey, you know, they start talking about your neighbor, you start talking about a friend, just, you know what, I don't need this in my system. And tell them no. Like you got to have the courage to say stop because it's going to mess up with me. It's fun to eat. It's fun to participate. It will mess up your inner health. And I think that's a really, it's a hard truth to receive. To call out somebody saying, I don't need to know anymore. But man, that's when you start walking by integrity. Scripture continues on in verse 9 of Proverbs 18. The one who is truly lazy in his work is, is brother to a vandal. And says in verse 10, the name of Yahweh is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are protected. So in verse 9, the lazy do nothing and run to nothing except destruction. Verse 10, though, if you realize that Yahweh is a strong tower, the righteous are going to be running to him. And oh, by the way, God has an amazing protection plan. Verse 11, a rich man's wealth is his fortified city. In other words, this is his little world that he's surrounding himself. And in his imagination, man, this is a high, a high wall. Nothing, nothing can touch me. This verse right here should be thrown all over the media. In his imagination, it's like, I'm untouchable. Like, oh, by the way, do you not know how many stars I have on, you know, in, in Hollywood? Do you not know how much money I've made? Do you not know I just signed one of the wealthiest contracts in sports? Whatever your context is, I don't know. In your imagination, you're more than what you really are. It says in verse 12, before his downfall, in reference to verse 11, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. Verse 13, the one who gives an answer before he listens. I mean, do you see how we're just flipping here? I mean, we're talking about staying quiet. We're talking about watching your tone. The next thing you know, we're talking about the proud and how they're building up their own thing, but they're really only building up in their own world. And oh, by the way, now we're back to verse 13, which says the one who gives an answer before he listens. So now we're back into talking. That's foolishness and disgrace for him. So just, in other words, just shut up and stop talking. Just listen. Love, listen, discern, respond. Please don't go to respond right away. Always love them. Listen to them, discern what the Spirit of God is saying, and then respond. Proverbs 18, 13 is a key verse for us as we interact with anybody. The one who gives an answer before he listens, it's foolishness. And sometimes I think with sharing the gospel, I think we're so quick to tell people what they need rather than understanding their story. It says in verse 14, a man's spirit can endure sickness. This is crazy. But who can survive a broken spirit? In other words, you, you can overcome a, a sickness. Nelson says, but there's no medicine for a broken spirit. Verse 15, the mind of the discerning acquires knowledge. In other words, if you're discerning the situation, you want to know more. In the ear of the wise, they seek it, seeks it. In other words, there's a constant quest for knowledge. And in verse 16, now watch, here we go, just another topic. 
A gift opens doors for a man and brings him before the great. Honestly, verse 16 could be an entire message for a week. This is one of those verses that really speaks to my heart. It's one of those verses that's really, really intriguing. Uh, let me just give you a couple things. Okay, this gift is not a bribe that we're talking about, a gift that opens a door for a man. We're not talking about bribing somebody. We're not talking about, hey, if I give this to you, can you let me in? We're not talking about that kind of mentality. We're showing you that there's power in, in gift, in giving, and how it opens up doors for a man. I don't know how else to describe that. And once a person has then entered the door, you've given a gift, the door has been opened, that's, the rest is up to the Lord in, in how, how God wants to use that person. Which is why I really believe, and you could say, man, this is a really weird motive to say that, Kyle. When you give, you guys, generously, it doesn't matter what it is, stocks, bonds, legacy, when you give finances, you give a car, you give uh, like eggs to your neighbor, whatever, the con- whatever it is, that gift gives you a window into that people, into that people group, into that heart, and then all of a sudden, you have favor with them. Are you giving because of the favor? Absolutely not. That's not the motive. I'm just saying this is the reality of what happens. When you give, your heart is now connected to these people. Those people are now connected to you and there's something there. And now the door's been opened. And at times when you do this, it brings you before the great. So the more that you continue to sow into situations and people, God just says, man, this guy's going to try to keep giving and giving. I'm going to keep creating more and more doors which is why I believe those that have wealth, those that have means, and those that have been entrusted with anything that God's given them. So now we're not just talking rich or poor. We're talking everybody. God wants to use what you've been given. You're just a steward of his resources. And I actually believe he'll put you before people that no man could arrange unless you just keep giving it away. So maybe somebody even today is just processing, man, should I should I give? Ask the Lord, allow him to determine your steps and then just do it and see, see what he does. See what doors open. This is not for your gain. It's for his glory. I love this verse, verse 16. A gift opens doors for a man and brings him before the great. Now, let me give you a small illustration. Uh, Laura and I, somewhere down the road, we came across some finances. I mean, this was probably like you guys, like eight or nine years ago. And there was an organization in this building before us. And uh, the Lord had really impressed upon our hearts. I mean, we were down the street five, six miles. Like we weren't even thinking about, you know, that coming to this building. Not, not, it wasn't even a thought. <laughs> but we blessed this organization with something. In fact, we have a little picture frame that they gave us that said, thank you. It's actually in our bathroom in our house today. I never would have thought in my wildest dreams that because my wife and I sewed into that organization that they would then approach us, whatever, three, four years ago and said, would you guys consider moving into this building? It's a great example. Literally, we provided a gift. Uh, And I don't say that to steal the reward that God wants to give us. I'm just trying to give you illustrations of how we sewed into an organization. They were downsizing. We were growing. And then literally this door opened to this building. I don't know if anybody actually knows that story. When you give a gift, it will open up doors. 
And who would have thought that we would be here now recording Revive Studio, Revive School in a studio in the back? I mean, none, none of us. I, I promise you that was not on my mind. Hey, I wonder if we could move into this building. <laughs> not even a thought. But God will open up doors when you give out of the generosity from your heart. And who knows, maybe he'll even bring you before the great. Now we have a new sermon, Kevin. New topic. You know, let's talk. We're done talking about giving. We're done talking about talking. Kind of not. Now we're a little bit back. He says, the first estate is case. Hey, I want to make my, my pitch. That was, a, that was a pretty good. That was pretty good. Until somebody comes along and then cross-examines everything that you just said. Basically, they question what you're saying. Because at that point, you have to wonder, man, what I said was, was that really true? So in other words, when you first state your case, please realize that if somebody was to actually evaluate your words in what you were saying, the question is this, <laughs> um, like what you're saying, is it really accurate? Now, here we go in verse 18, a little bit of a different topic, casting the lot and squirrels. So if you can't get along and you're talking, pull out the die, just cast some lots. Literally, it separates powerful opponents and it just kind of closes the deal. Proverbs 18 says, if you have an issue, tails. Well, I lost, you win, done. Scripture says, cast lots. That's crazy to me. Verse 19. Well, let's go on to another topic, shall we? An offended, I feel like this is like sitting at the dinner table and like everybody's like, okay, my turn to talk, my turn to talk. And they're all different. Well, here we go again. Verse 19, an offended brother is harder to reach than a fortified city. And quarrels are like the bars of a fortress. In other words, man, when there's an offense with a family member, it's really hard to overcome. So watch what you say. In verse 20, from the fruit of his mouth, a man's stomach is satisfied. He is filled with the product of his lips. Here's where I want to go. Verse 21, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Oh, I feel like all I do is talk about talking. Like, watch what you say. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. All right, here's a little trivia for you, Rich. An average American speaks 700 times a day. True or false? False. That's true. <laughs> this is from Robert Berger, B-U-R-G-E, okay, and Edmund uh, Ade. Okay, these two guys, even if you cut the 700 times in half, 350 times a day you're talking, even if you cut that in half, 175 times a day, Tom in his mind, he's like, I don't think I've even hit that limit yet today. Like, how many times? Are you sure you said 700 times? Not words, but just times you're talking. An average American speaks 700 times a day. The, the average man speaks 7,000 words a day. The average woman, 20,000 words a day. I think your research is false. <laughs> okay, well, that's fine. It depends on your research. You think you talk that many times a day? Either way, no way I talk that many times a day. That's my point. Well, it doesn't matter. Here's the point. Like, have you had, I think, I don't know, maybe they're coming up to this angle. Even if you had 175 dialogues that day, I don't know if you have that many. 700 times average dialogues. Let's see if you take it that way. I, that's a lot. And my point is this, like how many 
things do you do outside of talking that many times in one day? Like, it's pretty important. Like, talking, what we say is basically, like, that's all we do. Like, it's the most of something that we probably do, is the point. And so I want to encourage us, and I like this word here, is that we're supposed to glorify the Lord with our body. And that includes, that includes the tongue. So gossip, man, that can crush families. Harsh words, I don't even want to say this one. Sarcasm, I really like sarcasm. The interesting thought behind this, I think for me when I read this verse is, if I put this thought in my head before I had a conversation, how would that conversation differ? <laughs> but I honestly... Okay, look at this, Matthew twelve thirty six. Okay, th- this should freak us out. I think, th- me. Okay, I'll just go with me for a second. Okay, Matthew 12, verse 36, it says this. This is Jesus. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. I'm not reading anything else, Kevin. <laughs> Some of us are, are wondering what the definition of careless. <laughs> I mean, but it, I don't know. Look, I'm not talking salvation here. Okay. If you believe in the death, burial and resurrection, praise God, we've been justified. But people are going to have to be accountable for like, do you remember when you told your kid like they needed to brush their teeth? But you should have stopped at the first time, and I'm talking to myself, Tom, not your scenario, nine times. And like, it just escalated. Or you told your kid to do homework and they're not doing it. And then it's just like, oh, your things you're saying. Or maybe some of you have problems muttering and mumbling in the corner because somebody made you mad. Like, oh yeah, I, I, I heard that. And that's what God's saying. Everything's going to be held into account. And we want to know what the careless word means. I would just say we probably shouldn't be saying those things. And I would just say I'm, I'm guilty. So when in doubt, here's what I would say. If you've had a careless word towards somebody, just go back and say, Kevin, I'm sorry for telling you the markers don't work. Kevin, I'm sorry for my tone. Kevin, it's just, it's healing. There's healing in this. And here's the crazy thing. I didn't get where I wanted to go today, you guys. I wanted to go to, look, number 22, verse 22. A man who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So, like, if we wanted to stop talking about talking, and then we got to talk about our wives, praise God. Laura, I know you're listening. I'm very excited that I have favor from the Lord. A man who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Here, here's all I want to just say. Genesis 2.18 says, it's not good for man to be alone. I know there's people that are praying, should I be single or should I not? I will say in Genesis 2, it does say it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper as his compliment. Laura Kim is my compliment. Praise the Lord. And so in this, here's what I want to do. I just want to give you like the fastest marriage counseling. Here we go in like 30 seconds. Okay, this comes from a guy named Pastor Bobby Scott. I love it. Marriage is important. Man, you must pursue the woman. I believe that. Pursue the woman. And then three, it's not good to be alone. Marriage is important. Man, pursue the woman and not good to be alone. You're like, hey, whoa, where'd you get all this? (laughs) Scripture. 
That is my marriage counseling 101 in three minutes. Why? Because I will tell you this, um, it's be- it, two is better than one. And some of you haven't found that right person. Some of you have lost somebody. Somebody are longing for somebody. I, I don't know your scenario. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm just telling you my limited experience with my wife of almost 18 years. I love it. And I just say, thank you, Lord, for giving me a wife. Because in this, Scripture says, it's a good thing, and I found favor from the Lord. And if you're done talking about marriage, just read 23 and 24. <laughs> because then he begins to talk about the poor and the rich, and then a man with many friends. I love Solomon because it's like sometimes he's writing with ADD. Whoa! But that's why I think it's good for all of us. 22 might not speak to your heart, but 23 might. Verse 24 might. Either way, Proverbs, 20, uh, Proverbs 18, there's a lot of golden nuggets there. Bless you all. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.